Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. All right, well, good morning again. Man, it's been so good this morning, hasn't it? Worship was good. Thank you, Brother Steve, for sharing again. Man, I'm excited about what the Gideons are doing. Uh, honored to partner with them um, and, and see the word of God go forth. After the service this morning, we have baptisms, boom, right here, okay? This is not the staff hot tub. This is a baptism pool, okay? Um, although I checked it, it's very warm. Uh, so we're going to have a few minutes and then we'll get uh, transitioned. And I encourage you to stay. If you don't have to be anywhere immediately, stay and cheer for those that are going public in their faith. Uh, and then a second service will start afterwards. Um, we, uh, how many of you were at the Lettuce Worship event last Thursday? Man, it was powerful, wasn't it? So good. Um, I encourage you. Uh, there are some recap videos. Hopefully, I'll, I'll maybe share one on social media this afternoon. I hadn't seen the whole video yet. It's about a five-minute recap. So cool what God did. So many people's lives got touched in dramatic ways. Uh, God is so good. We're in the middle of a series called Idle Minds, where we're talking about idolatry. You can see the warnings about idolatry in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. It's all there. It's one of the main themes of Scripture. An idol is anything or anyone that we allow to take the place of God in our lives. Anything or anyone that we worship or anything or anyone that we serve or obey. We must choose who we will serve. This is what Joshua told the Israelites when they arrived in the promised land. He says, choose this day who you will serve. And interestingly, he told us who we would serve if we didn't choose God. He said, your default will be to serve the gods of your family or the gods of your current culture. You are serving someone. So choose who you want to serve. We get rid of idols in three steps. We recognize, repent, and replace them. Last week, we talked about the fact that one of the main categories of idols is people. People can be wonderful gifts, but bad gods. We talked about the idols of romantic love of family love, the idol of your own life. Um, if, if we aren't careful, we can worship these things instead of the Lord. Um, another person is not qualified to give you the love you were created to receive. They will buckle under the pressure. Don't make someone, including yourself, an idol. So today, we're talking about powers, a second category um, of, of idols that we deal with. These are American idols. You guys don't have a statue of Buddha in your home, right? You don't have a Hindi god and burn incense to it, right? No. But what we do have is we have these American idols, right, um, that, that we worship through our actions as well. And so one of these is power. The problem is scripture says that our power comes from the Lord, not from false idols. Zechariah 4, 6, you've heard this before, not by might, nor by power. That means not by your might or your power, your own strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This is how the kingdom of God 
grows. The kingdom of God grows by God's spirit, not our strength. It's not us who makes the kingdom spread. Although we have a job to do, we partner with the Lord. It's his spirit. The world says that power and the pride and the prestige and everything that comes with it is our goal. But in the kingdom, God's presence is our goal. And his presence is what brings the power that we need. Matthew chapter 20, 25 through 28, Jesus says this, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. You ever seen that? Hey, I'm in charge. You're not in charge. I'm in charge. Get with the program. My way or the highway, right? Jesus was right. Imagine that. But among you, Christians, Jesus followers, disciples of Christ, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, referring to himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What does this mean? This means that Christianity will spread when the church is at your feet instead of in your face. We don't leverage power like the world does. We have power. But it's a different type of power that we leverage. We, our power comes from the presence of God and serving others, doing what Jesus did. And so there are two types of idols that we see under this heading of power. This, this God, this false God of power. Two types of idols I want to talk about this morning. And I want to give you some specific practical instructions on how to defeat this idol in your life. Because you will be tempted with this idol. And the first one is the idol of success. The idol of success. The world says strive, achieve, struggle, accomplish. Because this is what will bring success. But what did Jesus say? Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. He says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? That's what Jesus asks. It's a good question. Is anything worth your soul? No, of course not. God's goal for us is not worldly success but spiritual blessing. Now, there's a difference between the two. Now, spiritual blessing will often manifest as worldly success sometimes. So you you can't just judge. You can't judge a person's spirituality by what they own. Sometimes those things are gifts from God. Sometimes those things were achieved by stepping on the backs of others. And you can't tell just by looking at that car, that house, that boat, whatever, how they got that. So it's important that you reserve judgments Because it could be the success of the world or it could be the blessing of God. Here's the difference though. Spiritual blessing, or let's put it this way. Success is earned by you. Blessing is given by God. It could be the same end result, right? But but one is earned by you, one is given by God. Or even even more, a more pithy way to say this, success is achieved Blessing is received. You like that? It even rhymes, okay? So you can remember it. (laughs) 
Success is something that you achieve while blessing is something that you receive. It comes from the Lord. Now, in our culture, remember Joshua warned us. He said, you're going to serve the gods of your current culture or the gods of your family. Well, the gods of our current culture, we define success as excess. Think about this. Think about this. Someone is not successful unless they have more than enough. Enough is not enough for us. More than enough is what gets you noticed. When you're worshiping the God of success, what you have becomes more important than why you're here. Think about it. You're focused on things. You're focused on titles. You're focused on how others feel about you. And you're missing your purpose. You're missing your reason. Your possessions overshadow your purpose. And we don't want that. That's not what Scripture tells us how we are supposed to live. Now, you can have a great family. You can have a great job. You can have a great ministry and feel less than because your car is not as nice as your neighbor's. Right? Because our current culture says it's not enough to have enough. You have to have more than enough. You have to have excess. Isn't that crazy? You can have the perfect car for your family, and people think, well, they're middle class. (laughs) Right? They're just middle class. No, they're actually, by kingdom a kingdom perspective, they're actually incredibly successful. They have all their needs taken care of. But we don't think that, do we? We think that you have to have way more than enough in order to be successful. When worshiping the God of success, what you do becomes more important than who you are. You ever introduced yourself to someone or, or, or been in a small group of some sort or maybe a business meeting or maybe a family reunion and, and uh, people say, hey, uh, so what do you do? It's the first thing they want to know, right? What do you do? You know, that's cool. It's good to know what your job is, but I'm more interested in who you are. What are you like? And I believe the Lord is like that as well. We begin to believe that who we are is what we do. We get this confused when we're worshiping the God of success. And we begin to see other people's value based on their performance. Did you know that many of our last names come from the jobs our ancestors used to hold? Right? These are, I looked this up last night. Here are some of the names. Maybe some of your last names. Baker. I wonder what they did. Smith. Miller, Ward, Wright, Fletcher, Cooper, Webster. These are all last names based on your job. And there are more. Isn't it interesting that we are still trying to be identified by what we do? We still think success and achievement and our worth and our value comes from our job. Here's the thing, and I just, if I can be, can I be honest with y'all this morning? Let me just talk. So, ladies, you deal with this, but guys, let me just tell you. We struggle with this more. It's part of the curse of Adam. God, when when Adam fell, the Lord said that you're going to be working, boy. I mean, this is part of it now. Part of the curse, right? We tend to get our self-worth from our jobs, from our ability to provide. Now, provision is something you're called by the Lord to do for your family. But what makes you really good at your job often makes you really bad at home. Right? 
I mean, I mean, business is run efficiently. Business is run effectively. It's all about the bottom line. You get home, you try to train your kids that way, they're going to grow up to hate you. And so guys, look, I love you enough to tell you the truth. What makes you good at business often makes you bad at home. Look, when you go home, you need to, I used to, I, when, I was, when I had a real job, I was in a pretty tough environment. I was in the corporate world, and, and just a lot of stuff was going on around me. And I would literally, when we first got married, I, I would come home, I would say, hey, baby, kiss her on the forehead, and go into a prayer room and just pray the junk away. And then I'd come out and say, okay, what are we doing tonight? I had to transition from, from Jamie the, the, in the corporate world to Jamie, the husband and father and the person who's not just, you know, scrapping and fighting and trying to make sure that, that everything is efficient and the bottom line is met, right? So I, I just encourage you guys, don't worship at the, at the God of success. You'll, you'll, you may be, if you're bringing work home, if you're bringing that work mentality home, you may be worshiping the wrong idol, worshiping the wrong God. So how do we defeat the idol of success? Well, the first way is that we prioritize obedience over outcome. Prioritize obedience over outcome. Have you ever had a better idea than what God said? (laughs) You you may have thought you had. You didn't. But you you ever, God said, hey, you know, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing, right? The Great Commission. You're like, actually, Lord, I think instead what I want to (laughs) do, right? Yeah, yeah, sometimes we think we have better ideas than the Lord, but he wants our obedience. Did you know God doesn't want your help? He wants your heart. And the way you give God your heart is through immediate, complete obedience. Matthew 25, 21 is the parable of the talents. And the, 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 the king in that area, the, the master in that, in that parable, uh, represents the father. And he says, well done, good, and faithful servants. Well done, good, and faithful servant. Guys, for the Christian, obedience is the measure of success. Not fame, not accomplishments, not likes on social media. Obedience. Obedience. That's the only thing that makes you successful in the kingdom. It, you, if you follow the voice of the Lord, you do what he's telling you to do, you may have no one recognize what you've done. Still, you're successful. Because your success is not based on the recognition of, of, of other people. It's based on whether or not you did what God said to do. And so to defeat the idol of success, we have to cling to and prioritize obedience over the outcome that we want. And here's a second thing we can do to defeat the idol of success is to practice contentment. Practice contentment. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6 through 8. Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. In other words, doing the right thing and being happy about it makes you wealthy. Verse seven, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world. We can't take anything with us when we leave it. Verse eight, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. 
Man, our culture is trying to rob us of our contentment. You know, we're driving down the road. We just got a new car. We're like, yeah, look at my new car. And then a nicer, newer car is, <laughs> drives right by. You're like, oh, man, I'm nobody. <laughs> right? I'm going to get you in a nicer, newer car. You hear the car commercials? Yeah. I mean, this is what will happen. You will find yourself resentful of someone else's success. And that means you're worshiping at the altar of success. If you think their success takes away from your own, you may be worshiping at the altar of success. If you find yourself in competition with other people, you may be worshiping at the altar of success. In the kingdom, success is not a zero-sum game. What does that mean? A zero-sum game is where the only way you win is when someone else loses. That's called a zero-sum game. You can read about it, look it up, Google it. It's a concept that you only win when someone else loses. They're not multiple winners. But in the kingdom, you are not in competition with anyone except yourself yesterday. And that's what makes you successful. Did I grow in Christ from yesterday to today? Not am I the best Christian around. Jesus handled that already, okay? You're not going to make that one. You're not going to get that trophy. But did you, did you grow from yesterday? That is the only competition that you have. So the idol of success, we have to learn how to defeat it. The other idol that's a part of this God of power is the idol of money. The idol of money. In, the, in American culture... Affluence equals influence. In other words, the more that you have, the more power you have. There's literally purchasing power in our culture. The more money, and we know this, we see this in politics. Do you genuinely think that the most qualified presidential candidates are the ones that we end up voting on? No. It's the people with the most money. Maybe not their own money, but, but they raised enough money, someone else's money, right? I mean, that's exactly how it works, right? The people in, in our government, it has to do with money because there is purchasing power. Power comes from, influence comes from affluence. This is not the way it is in the kingdom, though. Matthew six twenty four, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one or love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, if you've got the New King James Version of the Bible or the King James, it says you cannot serve God and mammon. And you'll notice mammon is with a capital M. Huh, what's that? Mammon is the Syrian god of wealth. Not only uh, was it a false idol, I believe it was a demonic entity. Mammon is a master. That means it's looking for servants. And we are tempted, every single one of us, are tempted to bow down to the idol of money. Scripture warns us, 1 Timothy chapter 6, 9 through 10, Paul writes, but people who long to be rich, I mean, okay, here's the deal. How many of you want to be rich? I mean, if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying, <laughs> right? 
I mean, I raise my, yeah, I, want, I would like, because I, I convinced myself, I would like, Lord, if you'll just give me a little bit more, I'll give it all away. <laughs> you know, the greatest indicator of what you would do with more money is what you're doing with your money now. Add a few zeros, you won't give any more. Because you, you're, you're being trained. You're already, you are already trained to give the amount that you give now unless you make a concerted effort to do something differently. Paul continues, people who long to be rich fall into temptation or trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Goodness. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and some people craving money, you've seen this, here we go, you've seen this, this may be you. Some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I can't tell you how many people get a new job and quit coming to church. I mean, and, and all of a sudden, they're just, they're just serving the God of success now. Y'all know me, I'm not a church attendance Nazi. We don't send out the cavalry if you miss one Sunday here, knocking on the door. Well, brother, we were just concerned for your soul. We don't do that, right? Right, we trust you, you're, you're big boys, you're big girls, right? But I can't tell you how many times I've seen people, they just disappear. They disappear and they're worshiping at the wrong altar. How do you know if you worship money? If you're willing to depart from your convictions to get it. How do you know if you worship anything? How, how, how do you know if you worship romantic relationships, if you're willing to depart from your convictions to be in one? When you depart from your convictions in order to get something or have something, you're now in idolatry. And it's the same with money. No one wants to lose their faith. No one prays to receive Christ, wakes up the next morning, I hope I, hope I go back on that commitment. No one does that, Right? No one wants to lose their faith. What do they do? They wander from it. And scripture says that money, the God, the idol of money is one of those things that causes us to wander. It's right here in black and white. And we have to take it seriously. So how do we defeat the idol of money? Here's the first way. Practice generosity. Practice generosity. Now notice, I didn't say just give. You can give with the wrong reason. You can give with the wrong heart. But when we practice generosity, we're doing it for the right reason. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul quotes Jesus. He says, you should remember the, Lord, the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Blessed, if you're really holy, it's more blessed. It's more blessed to give than to receive. The word blessed in Greek, it means happy. You will be happier, and you probably have experienced this. You're like, well, I really like you know, giving, receiving gifts, but you know, you'll actually be more happy when you give. Your brain is wired, and, and, and psychologists have found this, even outside of scripture. They call it, it's a, it's a giving high that you get. They can measure it in your brain. There is more of a dopamine pleasure center response when you give than when you receive. Jesus was right. So we have to practice generosity. It's not your default. Generosity is a mindset that assumes that because a resource comes to me, that doesn't mean that it belongs to me. 
It's in my possession, but it's not necessarily mine. Greed creates owners. Generosity creates stewards. Greed says this is mine. Generosity says this is God's. A greedy person may give of what is his, but a generous person gives because it never was his. It's a different mentality. So we have to practice generosity. We have to train ourselves to be generous. And someone comes in front of you, man, I could, I could really use some help. Hold on, let me pray. Lord, do you want me to help your son or daughter with resources they don't have but I have? Hmm, I wonder. <laughs> Go into your prayer closet and fast on that one. <laughs> right? We spiritualize giving when it's like, why don't you just give? Why don't you err on the side of generosity? See what happens. Right? The second way that we defeat the idol of money is that we adopt heaven's perspective regarding resources. We adopt heaven's perspective on resources. Play this little hypothetical game with me. What if someone in the church, but you don't know them that well, you just recognize them, they go to VFC. What if in the parking lot, I came to you and said, hey, this is a little weird, but can I have $100? If you're like me, you'd probably be like, uh, no, <laughs> I don't really know you or what you, no, right, <laughs> right. I, I don't think so, right, okay, now, what if the night before you received notice that you had just inherited a hundred million dollars from a great uncle who just passed away, and then, same situation, do you think I could have $100? You'd be like, sure, whatever. I got 100 mil, right? It changes your perspective. When you realize how much you have, it changes how much you're willing to give. Romans chapter eight, verse 32 says, since he, God the Father, did not spare his own son, Jesus Christ, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? If you have Jesus, you already have everything, So giving a little is no big deal. It's a perspective change. I'll end on this. I'm running late. And we're going to dunk some people. One time we got a bill. Tiffany and I got a bill we weren't expecting. And we didn't have the money to pay for it. And we were like, and Tiff's like, well, what are we going to do? And I said, well, very sarcastically, I might add, we have unlimited resources. <laughs> and I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, not the audible voice, right? It was a thought, sounds like my thoughts, but it wasn't from me. That's often how the Holy Spirit speaks. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, you know what? You're right. And I thought, you know what? I'm right. I was kind of being a jerk, but I'm right. We have unlimited resources. And we began to pray. I don't even remember what happened with that bill because it didn't matter because it got paid. And now one of the phrases we use whenever something happens, something breaks on the car or we got to fix something on the house, we're like, well, we have unlimited resources. And we're not sarcastic anymore. We really believe it. Why? Because we realize that when you have Jesus, you have everything. Realizing that your prosperity is in God, not in money, defeats idolatry. And my question to you is this.
Is power an idol in your life? Success, achievement, fame, money, possessions, prestige? Is it an idol in your life? Are you worshiping at the wrong altar? Let's stand for prayer. Again, I encourage you to stay for the baptism if you can. It'll be fun. Also, our brother Steve will be at the back door. If you'd like to give to the Gideons, um, uh, we encourage you to. It's a good organization. Next week, we've talked about people. We talked about power today. Next week, we're going to talk about pleasure. It's another altar that we worship at. It will be a rated PG sermon. I don't think we'll get PG-13. I don't know. It depends on how I feel. (laughs) Maybe. It won't be R, though, okay? It won't be rated R. But we will talk about bowing down at the altar of pleasure. It's a big one for us, you guys. It's a big one. But close your eyes. Take a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit, in your own words, under your breath, am I worshiping at the altar of power? Am I bowing down to the idol of success, achievement, money, possessions, fame? Where am I when it comes to this, Lord? Do I break my convictions to have more possessions? Or is my heart only yours? What's that bounce back thought you hear when you ask that? What's that feeling you feel when you ask that? I'd love to lead you in a prayer where we commit our hearts to the Lord again and we kick out any idols. We replace them with Jesus alone. If you will, pray this after me. Say, Lord God, I need your help. I tend to worship idols, but I don't want to. So I declare the idol of power in my life is removed by your spirit. I don't want to worship at the altar of success or the altar of money. I worship you alone. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to convict me and correct me. When these idols get in my heart, I love you, Lord, and I am only yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Eric, will you close us? Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.